present that we miss him. We, and, and we want God to do something that's absolutely spectacular. We say, God, listen, here's how this is going to work, God. God, if you would do something that is truly amazing, something that is so unbelievable, I would, I would honor you more. God, I would do what you want me to do. God, I would believe in the truth of Jesus. To which God says, well, like what? What is it that you would want me to do? Tell you what, 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 if I, what if I created a rock that was large enough for you to live on? What do you think about that? What if on this rock I started to fine-tune everything so that it can sustain life? Would that be enough? Is that something miraculous? Is that spectacular enough? What if I made this rock that's floating in the universe? What if I made it so different than any of the other rocks that are floating in the universe? How would that be? God said, listen, I've already done that. And to which we say, no, 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 no. Do something that's truly amazing. To which God says, okay, how about this? I will make a 576 megapixel camera. And I will mount two of them and we'll call them eyes and we'll put them things right in your face. How about I do something like that? And you can just use them to look around. And for what we want to connect to these amazing cameras, what if we connected it to a 3,000 gigahertz computer? To which God says, oh, I've already done that too. Go ahead, God says, and use that computer. Use that brain and think about it. How about this? What if I take 50,000 cells in your body and I say, these 50,000 cells are going to die and be replaced with brand new ones with no conscious effort on your part before the speaker can finish telling you about it? No, God, listen, that's all great. But we want you to do something truly amazing, like a miraculous healing. Let's do that. And God said, listen, thanks to that 3,000 gigahertz computer that I put in your head and the memory that has come with it, you are able to miraculously heal most things yourself. I've created a species of healers. Did you think about, think about it in this way? If, if somebody from 2,000 years ago were to walk into a, and visit a hospital they would consider the doctors that they saw gods. We have been following John through his account, his organized account of specific events that have served as evidence, that have served as signs. And he documented them. He documented them in what we call the book of John so that the future generations, those that were coming after, would know he says, listen, these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life. You have life in his name. So John took this account and he organized it around a series of signs. And today we're looking at the fifth sign, the healing of the blind man. 
See, Jesus, in, in the book of John, we watched him just go back and forth between Galilee and Judea. And in this moment, he's back near Jerusalem. So we're in John chapter 9, starting in verse 1. And he passed by, and he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples, they asked him, they said, um, Rabbi, who is it that had sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? It was assumed. It was assumed that suffering and sin were connected. They considered that there, there was this cause and effect relationship between, well, you sin, so you suffer. And while we know that there are sometimes that suffering is connected to our behavior, like well, listen, you chose to do that, therefore you will suffer for it. Like when you order the wrong thing in the restaurant and you don't want to send it back. Sometimes, though, when we see that there's pain and there's suffering, it's usually obvious where it's connected. When it happens, it's usually obvious. And we find ourselves going, okay, well, it, there's an obvious connection. And it is found in this. Because I did that and that happened. But sometimes the connection isn't obvious. And sometimes that connection just doesn't make sense. Sometimes it feels like it, the pain or the suffering is so completely unrelated. And to this question that, that was asked of Jesus, he says, listen, it was not that this man or his parents sinned. It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that Jesus taught in this moment that this pain, this suffering had a purpose. Sometimes we need to understand that sometimes pain does have a purpose. Sometimes. And this man's pain certainly did. Perhaps. Your pain and your suffering has a purpose as well. Jesus said that it was so that the mighty, the works of God might be displayed in him. Because sometimes God chooses to display his power in the stage of our suffering. Sometimes God chooses to display his power through the pain that we experience. And I've seen that. And I know that you have too. And Jesus, as they ask this question, he turns to them and says, we must work the works of him who sent me while it, was, while it is day, because night is coming when no one can work, to which we go, huh? To which they go, right? Jesus was always doing that. They would ask a question and he would answer with something that was not related. It didn't seem like it was connected. It didn't seem as though this was actually going to be the answer they were looking for. But here's what Jesus said. He said, listen, as long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. His point being, my identity, the, the understanding of who I am will never be more obvious than it is right now. The light of the world will never shine brighter than it is right now. Because when I leave, when I'm gone, 
it will be dark. And yours, yours is the generation that will see. So John, write this down. Keep a good account. And having said these things, here's what Jesus does. Right? What? Having said these things, he spit on the ground and he made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud. Have you ever really hoped that there would be more details in the scripture? I think this is one of those times. I mean, think about it. Okay, did Jesus say, hey, listen, I'm about to do something here. I don't, I'm about to do something. Don't be concerned. You're going to hear a little bit of clearing of a throat <clears throat> and a little bit of a spit, but it's going to be okay. Did, do you think he explained it to him first? <laughs> do you think maybe, maybe he just said, um, hey, guys, hold him down. Just hold him down. Watch this. Or do you think maybe it was like one of those surprise attacks? He's like, (laughs) and Jesus anointed his eyes with the mud, and then he said to him, go, wash in the pool of Siloam. And it's at that moment that this blind man literally walks by faith, not by faith. Sight, good. See, I told you I was going to test you. Because this man, he chose to trust someone he could not see based on the rumors that he had heard. He had heard about this Jesus. He had heard that Jesus was doing miraculous things. So he chose, he chose to trust based on what he had heard. So he went back. He washed, and he came back seeing. And the neighbors and those who had seen him before, as a beggar, they were saying, isn't that Johnny? Isn't, that, isn't the guy that we used to, to trip over? Isn't it, wasn't he there this morning? Isn't this the guy that used to sit and beg? And some said, yep. It is him. And others said, nah, it just looks like him. And he kept saying, it's me. Hey, guys, guys, it's me. I know that voice. It's me. So they said to him, then how were your eyes opened? To which he answered, the man called Jesus. He spit. He made some mud, he slapped it on my eyes, and he said to me, go to Siloam and wash. And so I went, and I washed, and I received my sight. And they said to him, where is he? To which he says, I don't know, Sherlock. I don't know which way he went. I couldn't see him. He said, I do not know. So they did what they were supposed to do. Anyone that's been healed gets gets taken up to the temple so that they can be 
designated as able to worship. So they brought him to the Pharisees, who the man that had formerly been blind. And now it was a Sabbath. It was a Sabbath when Jesus made the mud to open his eyes to which the disciples were going. When is he going to learn? Because according to the traditions, according to the traditions of the elders, kneading, mixing, that was work. And it was prohibited on the Sabbath. And on top of that, healing was work. And it was prohibited on the Sabbath. And so the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, he he took some spit, he made some mud, he put it on my eyes. Then he said, go wash, and now I can see you. And some of the Pharisees said, well, obviously, this man is not from God. Well, how in the world would they know that? For he does not keep the Sabbath. He did not keep their version of the Sabbath. He did not fit in that box that they had constructed for God. They decided if we can make things work and we can make it fit into a box, then we're going to be okay. And we're going to be able to tell people how they can be okay. But better yet, if we can construct a box and know what goes in it and what is on the outside of it, we can take that box and put it on top of people to hold them down. They made their God box. But others said, well, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. So they said again to the blind man, what do you say about him? Really, really, okay, you were there, obviously. You were there, and he did this with you, and he opened your eyes. So what do you have to say about this guy? Who is he? And the blind man replied, he is a prophet. And the Jews, they decided, well, he can't be a prophet, so we're not even sure that this is the same guy. So they didn't believe he had been blind, and they didn't believe that he received a sight, so they called his parents. Hey, listen, we're going to have to have you come down to come talk to uh, Johnny here. He says that you're his parents. And that he used to be blind, but now he can see. So we're going to need you to come down and verify that here at the temple. And so the parents uh, arrive, and they, they ask them, hey, is this your son? And they're like, yes. Which you've ever been asked that question, and you don't know why you're being that, asked that question. Is this your child? Yes. <laughs> How then, they said, how then does he now see? How is it this, this happened? And his parents, they answered. They said, yes, we know this is our son. And he was born, and he was born blind. But we don't know how he's seeing. Nor do we know who opened his eyes because we weren't there. Nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He is of age. 
and he will speak for himself. And his parents, they said these things because they feared the Jews. The Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus as the Christ, they, they said, you know what, we, we, we decided what to do with people that are starting to follow this guy that's kind of causing a ruckus all around the area. You know, he's running from Galilee to Judea, and he's ta- doing these things, he's saying these things, and people are following him. And to be honest, it's kind of annoying. And they made it their minds that they had no room in their worldview. They had no room in their theology that could kind of understand what was going on. There was no room in their minds for what was happening. And so they decided, they decided that they would ignore what was happening right before their eyes. They had willful blindness. They decided that if somebody chose faith, chose to follow, chose to acknowledge that Jesus was the Christ, that they would be put out of the synagogue. They would kick them out of the community. You might call it excommunicated. You might call it something of of just, you know, disunifying. You, You know, whatever you want to call it, it was basically, you don't belong here anymore. The religious leaders were blinded. They were absolutely blinded by their preconceived ideas, by their assumptions. They had willful blindness. They were willfully blind to the things that they did. They chose to to not see the things that they, they saw. They only saw the things that they wanted. And I don't know if you've ever been there. If you've known the truth and you've seen something going on and you chose to not acknowledge it. Have you ever been there? They only wanted what would make sense in their own framework. They didn't want to investigate. They had no need to see. So for the second time, they said, hey, come back over here. They called the man who had been blind, and they said to him, give glory to God. In other words, don't lie. We know that this man is a sinner. To which he replied, whether this, he is a sinner I do not know. Listen, I I don't know everything. I don't understand everything that has happened to me. He says, listen, I don't have to understand either because here's one thing I know. I don't have to understand it to believe it. I don't have to understand it to receive it. The good news is for us, we don't have to understand everything to believe something. So maybe the things that you've been tripping over is that I have to understand everything before I believe anything. Has a stumbling block to your faith, a stumbling block to to your finally giving over control of your life to our Heavenly Father, has it been because as soon as I know enough to feel satisfied, I will commit. Listen, I get it. I understand that that works in areas where you have an equation that stacks up and this plus this equals that, and it happens every single time. I get it. But we don't hold that kind of a standard for everything in life. Let me ask you a question. Do you believe in love? Oh, that's sad. 
Do you believe in love? Can you explain it? Ooh, yeah. Honest husbands. Yes. <laughs> do you believe? Do you believe in... Um, do you believe in, in consciousness that, that, we can, that we can think, that we can be aware? Do you believe that your brain runs your body without you having to manage it? Can you explain it? Aren't you glad that you don't have to remember to breathe, right? Okay, in, out. Oh, wait, heart needs to beat too. Okay, breathe, beat, out, breathe. Okay. Aren't you glad? Because I wouldn't make it. I couldn't do anything else. I'd just be sitting there, don't talk to me, don't talk to me, <laughs> right? That would just happen. But here's what he says, listen, I don't have to believe, I don't have to understand everything to believe it, but one thing that I do know is this, I was blind, but now I can see. And that is the story for millions of Christians. I can't explain it. I, I, I don't understand it. I don't understand why I was pulled into a life of addiction. I don't, I don't understand why I was pulled into to all of these bad relationships. I don't, I don't understand why I just can't seem to make things right in my own life or, or I, can't, I can't just make it in life in general and I have the stress, anxiety. I have all of these things going on and I can't do it. do it. And finally, we realized that we were at the end of ourselves. Finally made it to the end of ourselves, and we cry out for help. And then something changes, and you've never been the same since. And they said to him, what did he do to you? And how did he open your eyes? Take notes. Because they were looking for reasons not to believe. They were looking for reasons to push this away and not have to deal with the fact that this meant something. That if this were true, it changes everything about what they knew. And it made their box not fit. It made God not fit inside it. And he answered them, listen, I have told you already. I told my neighbors. I told my family. I've told you now twice. Why do you want to hear it again? Why do you want to hear it again? <laughs> hey, do you also want to become his disciples? To which they said, no. They reveled him. They yelled. They said, get up. Oh, oh, you know, kicking dust and, you know, just throwing things and say, no way. You're his disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses. But as for this man, we don't know where he comes from. To which the blind man, he then answered, <laughs> that's amazing. Why don't you know? You do not know where this guy comes from, yet he opened my eyes. 
you guys don't get this? How dense are you? This man obvious, obviously, he's obviously from God because only God can do that. How much more evidence do you need? Maybe you need your eyes to be opened. If this man, he says, the blind man says, were not from God, he could do nothing. To which the Pharisees answered, you were born in utter sin and you disgust me. How could you, a filthy sinner from birth, even think that you could teach us? How dare you? And they kicked him out. And they told the man, you deserved to be blind. And they threw him out of the synagogue because they had willful blindness. They refused to look. They refused to see what could be seen. They refused to discover the things that were right in front of them. They refused to look at evidence. They refused to see what could plainly be seen. Refusing is not flattering to anyone. And as Christians, we're not immune to this. Historically, our resistance to science and to people who are not like us makes us look like the Pharisees. Because if we've limited God to our box, it's a nice box and has some really pretty detail on the outside of it. If we've limited God to our box, we'll be tempted to not look at anything that doesn't fit in it. If, if we have this box and we've designed it to only hold certain things, we're not going to allow anything that doesn't fit our mold to go inside. As Christians, we should be the most curious people. We should wander and be in wonder of the God of the universe, the one that created intricacies that we still have not yet discovered. We should be the most curious. We should be the most fearless and the most accommodating people in any room. But for some, if you're not a Christian or you used to be a Christian or, or you're, you're just kind of walking a little bit out the door, have you looked lately to see what God is doing? Have you looked lately or have you shut the door once and for all. And let me ask you, is that really wise? Because maybe this box that you have, are you discounting anything that doesn't fit in it? Are you, are you set that everything that you should know about God, you already know? That every experience that God wants you to have, you've already had? Are you tossing out things that don't fit? For some, that's why they walked away from faith. And it's why some are, are walking away slowly from the door right now. Maybe because they quit, because the God that was in the box is nothing like the God outside the box. And sometimes we try to defend 
the God of our box. But what we need to learn is that God is maybe bigger. God is maybe bigger than we thought he was. Or maybe God is bigger than you were taught he was. And it's okay to be wrong because we're all wrong about something. And it's okay not to know because we're all learning. But I would suggest that it's not okay not to look if there's something to be seen. It's not okay to turn a blind eye to something that is obviously happening. John's message to us is simply this. There is something you should see. I've given you my account, and I'm hoping, I'm hoping that that once you've heard, once you've read, once you've understood what I saw, that maybe... Maybe, just maybe, you would believe that Jesus is the Christ, that he's the Son of God, and that by believing, you will have life in his name. John would say, listen, I got to be an eyewitness to this. I lived in the days. I lived in the days when the light of the world touched down in this world. I was there. And it was so much better. It was so much bigger than we ever thought it would be. John reflects, he he loved the world so much that he gave himself so that no one would ever be lost to God. And when he died, we thought it was over. We decided maybe we just need to go back to what we were doing before he came because maybe it it was just too good to be true. But then he rose from the dead and we realized he was exactly who he claimed to be. It was so much bigger. It was so much better than we'd ever thought. Pray with me.